Hello and welcome to It's Complicated Podcast, where we're making sense of the faith and life of millennials. I'm your host, Alex Voigt. Today, we'll explore the great omission of Matthew 28. Plus, you'll hear from a pastor of a church in beautiful Key West. Last week, we talked about the great divide between the modern and the postmodern mind. This week, I'm going to begin with an apology. Someone brought it to my attention that it sounded like I called the modern-minded individuals inauthentic uh, in our discussion of authenticity of the postmodern mind. And while I did not intend to blanket everyone, I guess I'm, I'm trying to point out the fact that there are inauthentic people all over. We have inauthentic children, postmoderns, moderns, uh, from all different life experiences and cultures, etc. But millennials will either spot them much quicker and, I believe, have a shorter fuse to put up with inauthenticity. Uh, so that's what I was trying to point out there, but I want to clarify, and I thank the individual who pointed that out to me. But today, we're talking the great omission. We know the great commission. We say it is the mission of the church. But is it? Did we get it right? Let, let's read it. This comes from Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20, and um, most of the time in this podcast, I'm, I'll say it now, probably won't say it later, I'm just going to be reading from the English Standard Version unless I specify otherwise. But Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I'll be brief today because I want to get to our conversation, but let's extract the process here. Go make disciples, baptize them, and teach them. But is that what we typically do? Especially if you're Adventist, this will hold true. Think about this. First, we hold an evangelistic prophecy seminar. Then, once they've checked off the requirements of a list, we baptize them, and then we don't disciple them. Which is why such a large percentage of seminar attendees don't join the church after baptizing them. Now, let's look at this the other way. What if we were to disciple them first? Well, first, what is discipleship? When you look at the way that Jesus interacted with people on a regular basis, his favorite thing to do was to make friends first. Almost every personal interaction with someone recorded in Scripture begins with him attending to them. He didn't come in explaining what they need to know or how they need to change their life immediately. He talked with them. He healed them. Uh, he ate with them. And you know what? people began to follow him because he was contagious. So he discipled people. But if you think about Christians today, millennials statistically find them contagious in the wrong way. They, in fact, try and avoid them because Christians have become synonymous with judgment. And I think this comes out of a backwards view of the Great Commission. We focus on the teaching side, the truth. We explain prophecy better. We explain health laws better. We understand a lost commandment, and, and we have to make people know it. And we expect that by feeding truth to people that they'll become our friends. 
So it's truth versus relationship. And yes, I know that you're thinking they don't need to be mutually exclusive. But John concludes his gospel after writing about his experiences with Jesus, the lessons learned, the prophecies, the truth, that he writes these things that we might believe in Jesus. The truth brings us to a relationship with Christ, who is truth. So I could go on for days about this, but imagine if we approach people out of a desire to have a relationship with them and let our contagious Christian walk do the truth-telling. And friends, it first takes a contagious walk with Christ. If Christianity is painful, if it instills fear, fear for your salvation, fear of messing up, fear of, of missed opportunities to spread truth, then I'd like to suggest that that's your starting point, finding a relationship with Christ. But the great omission is discipleship. This discipleship, it leads to baptism, and truth is a byproduct. Instead of teaching the truth and then baptizing and, and then omitting the discipleship part, we need to, no, we get to make friends with people and let our contagious walk with Christ rub off on them. And when they ask why we are the way we are, why we respond to aggression the way we do, uh, why we can have peace through the tears when losing loved ones, we can share the truth. I'm going to conclude with one example of this in action. What would Adventist evangelism look like without the great omission? So we, we pride ourselves in doctrinal truth and, and hold evangelistic series where we put core truths down on a page. We write them all out, and we figure out the most logical and cohesive way to tell these. Then we, we craft, or more likely copy, sermons that start with a doctrinal belief, and then they slap Jesus onto the front and back and, and have that come to Jesus moment and and oftentimes it's just the same slide with Jesus with his outstretched arm, then we say that we're bringing people to a relationship with Christ when statistically we are bringing way more people who already had a relationship with Christ to a more developed knowledge of the truth. But imagine if we put Jesus down on the page as the ultimate objective and we craft our sermons around that, Imagine if when, when talking about the Sabbath, we explain that, that Christ wants restoration in your life. He put a day aside to spend with you. Because, friends, the Sabbath theme, it goes much deeper in Scripture than, than even us Adventists hold. God said to let the land lie fallow. It's about restoration. You have the, the Jubilee, the Jubilee year, the ultimate Sabbath. It was a year where slaves were freed, debts were paid off restoration. And that's something that we could all use. Jesus wants to bring restoration into your life, and he's given you a day every single week that you can do that. Think about tithe. Jesus wants you to let go. Consumerism, uh, wealth, stress, and anxiety, they're killing us. Jesus wants to show you that you can sacrifice these things and that they'll change you. Think about uh, health. Jesus wants you to eat the good stuff because he wants you to be the happiest and the healthiest that you can be. Uh, what, what about the state of the dead? 
you know, this is one that I, I can just read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. The state of the dead is about hope that Jesus gives to us. And I'd say one of the most important ones is the judgment. Jesus wants to represent you, to literally stand in your place and put his robe of righteousness around you in the courts of heaven and take your guilty verdict to the cross. That right there is true salvation that comes through a relationship with Christ, not just a knowledge of Christ. You know, maybe a series that begins with Jesus and slaps the fundamentals on the ends might bring people to a life-giving relationship with Christ rather than to doctrinal truth only. And now it's time for a conversation. So I'm here with Colin Healy, and he's actually the pastor of Impact Community Church in beautiful, sunny Key West, Florida. And you love Key West, right? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I've never been to Key West, and after talking to Colin, I have very little desire to go to Key West. It's actually funny that you say that because I got an email about a lady that asked me about moving to Key West, and she said, is it affordable? Are there jobs? Is it easy to do? This is a big step of faith. Can you help me? And I talked her out of it. I just told her the truth. All right. <laughs> That's all I do is speak the truth. <laughs> well, it's interesting, uh, considering our, our discussion during um, the podcast today, Colin and I are here sitting in a cafe. It's El Tamarindo Cafe in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, we're here because we actually had pastor's meetings today, and we were here to talk about ministry to youth and young adults. And, and um, I'd love to see pastors that have a passion and have a heart for doing things to try and engage millennials and, and young people in the postmodern mindset. And at the same time, I will also say that the divide is real. What we've been talking about oh, on this podcast, yeah, what we've been talking <laughs> oh. about on this podcast is real, and um, and so I hear that there's the heart, I hear that there's the passion, uh, but I just feel like there's for some people it just hasn't quite clicked yet. They want to help, but there's there's a disconnect between those wanting to help and and what they actually need to do. Yeah, so I've already explained the disconnect from my side, but but what do you see as the disconnect? My favorite thing about the disconnect is that while you have these wonderful people that want to help, you have these people that are willing to to say we need to do something for the youth. They're unwilling to change the way in which they want to engage the youth which is very fascinating. It's like, I want to do this, but I'm unwilling to compromise in doing so. And anytime we get into coming up with ideas on how to engage young people, what is it that you typically hear? Borderline put up a tent and draw the people as a big crowd to see a speaker go over fundamental beliefs. Um, it's usually some type of program that they want to get organized to reach out to the youth, to draw their attention, to bring them in, and hoping that it works. You would say they're, they're trying to get to truth rather than a relationship with these. They're, yes, yes, oh yeah, perfect, yeah. yeah. That's a great way to say it. Yeah. It's a lot more educated than and, how I would have said it. And I want to say that people are putting their hearts into this, and so I guess for me, and I think for both of us, the, the hard thing is that we see what's happening, and we see that people are investing time and investing money and it's just, it's going to the wrong place, it seems like. It seems like the idea is bring them to us, get them to come to us as opposed to us going to them. Yeah. 
and that's the part that hurts because it takes time it takes investment it takes people to set up the church or to set up the little place you're going to be at to get and try to draw this to draw these people this youth whoever you're targeting in that's not where it needs to be at. I, I want to be as gracious as possible um, to, to everyone because we've all tried stuff and I personally have taken a wrong approach for many years at this. And so I'm not speaking of others as them versus me. Um, I'm, I'm on a journey just like everybody else is on a journey, just like you're on a oh, journey. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I haven't even tried to do a big youth ministry outreach thing. I'm still trying to figure out how to do ministry as an actual profession still. <laughs> it's very new. It's very different. So yeah. it is not a attack on them it's it's just this overall mentality that people have as it comes to bringing people to a church one of the things that i also have to say is our employer one of the things that i love about them is that they're willing to try new things that if if they try something and it fails then they'll call themselves out say hey we tried this it didn't work we're trying again and that's actually what the meeting was about today because i know previously the 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 organizational structure of how youth ministry worked it was it was a little bit different from before and so you'll have to forgive the uh, the cappuccino maker in the back that you're hearing Uh, one of the joys of doing this in a cafe but the conference called this meeting because originally they had this structure where how how the youth ministries was laid out and and we have in the Adventist Church it's called Pathfinders, kind of like Boy Scouts, and and um, and so what they did is they tried to do something where they wanted to take the youth ministry and the young adult ministry and put it under the ministerial department instead of under like the, the another department, a dedicated youth department. Yeah, they and, wanted to try to put it as something else yeah, or with I, something else. Yeah. And I love what they're trying. I love that they're actually willing to step out and try new things. And, and that's what this listening session was about today. And I, I'm, very, I'm very excited and hopeful to see that, that they're willing to try new things and that they're listening to our voices to make these changes. The one thing that I really appreciate about our employer is when I was hired, Tim said, we're viewed as a very liberal conference, which is not true. Our outreach method is very liberal because we want to try things. We're willing to try things. We're willing to invest in these ideas to try and and do something different. But the beliefs are very traditional. They're very core. They're very what they are. But we want to do whatever we can to do outreach. And this listening session, them listening to us and give our feedback is a great example of that. And it's funny because usually when you hear the word liberal, when it comes to liberal missions, really they're, they're focusing on relationships. And, and that's that's really what we're honestly it's a sad it's a sad reality that we classify you know if, if we're trying to teach truth then that's a conservative approach to missions but if we're trying to be friends that's a liberal approach absolutely and, and I'll say this that they you need know, to work together they do need to work together but I'll, the Great Commission we talked about that today on the podcast and we have it backward Jesus says go therefore make disciples uh, baptizing them and then teaching them all things I've commanded you but we do it backwards where we teach them then we baptize them and then we forget we kind of hope that the discipling will happen we kind of mm-hmm. hope that oh they know the truth oh they've been baptized so now they should just be able to blend into the church culture yeah. the church community that we have set up and that doesn't work for a lot of people you know and especially what I'm finding with younger generations postmodern mindset millennial mindset whatever you want to refer to it as they want that relationship first and there's this kid that had been working at my church, well, working. He'd been playing and going to my church for probably three or four years. I'd been there a year, and I had just only then approached him, talked to him, what does the Bible say? What does this say? And it was only after journeying with him for a year did he finally, like, 
just listen to it and just feel comfortable to ask questions and receive answers in such a way that it made him feel better about who God is, about who the Bible is. But you can't. I couldn't do that when I first moved down here. I couldn't do that just having interacted with him. I, I went to his concert gigs at the different bars around the island. I went to all these different things with him. We did all these different events together. We became friends first. And through that journey, it got to the point of being able to teach him and explain to him different beliefs that we have. Tell me a little bit more about Key West. Tell me about the, the lifestyle, the culture of not those necessarily in your church. Well, we'll talk about that later, but <laughs> we'll get to we'll get to them. We'll get to the church. But tell me about the, the, the lifestyle and, and just the, Key the West type of people. has two has two modes of functionality. One of them are the vacationers that come to visit, and the other mode are the people that work there at a vacation spot. So for the people that come to visit, Key West is beautiful. It's an island. It, it's got coral reefs. It's got snorkeling, scuba diving, jet skis. Par- it has everything you could want to do out on the water for fun. So that's what they see. <laughs> when you live there, it is very, very different. Because it takes me on average two and a half to three hours to get to the mainland slash Miami. Like, it, it's a good long trip just to get up here. Um... And you feel it. And the people that live there are typically people that are running away from something. There's a lot of people that need to escape the reality, escape their world. And Key West also has a very big party reputation. has a very big live and let live. You do this, we do that. Whatever you want to do. I mean, Fantasy Fest apparently is very big down there. I never heard of it because I'm from the great north. And I've heard the lower the latitude, the better the attitude. That, okay, I like that. <laughs> the lower the latitude, the better the attitude. Yeah. It's a very free and open thing. There's bars everywhere, everywhere. Not even on every corner. They're next to each other and on the corners. The people that come down here want that escape, and they want that freedom. They're usually hurting from something. The people that live there are so stressed out and are so isolated from everything because... You have to work two to three jobs to afford a one room, not a one room apartment, a one room and a house you're sharing with four or five other people. And you're going to pay upwards of $1,000 or more for one room. There was a lady that was going to my church that helped out a little bit. She was paying $500 a week for one room, a little stand-up shower, and a heating heating plate, heating thing for her food. That was all she had. That was all the space that she had. And people will do it and pay it and burn themselves out on it to live in Key West. Tell me about the church, for example. Um, I know that you have a very unique, very unique church, and um, I want to hear about ministry. How do you do ministry? Does it look like a standard uh, Christian church, an Orthodox Christian church? What does it look like? My ministry, as far as church goes, is at worst measured on Sabbath because everybody's working. The church, when I first moved there, was being run as a homeless shelter. When I moved into the parsonage in the back, there were seven people living in my sanctuary. And some of them were on the recovery road to get better. Some of them were just staying there. It, it, it was rough. Now you say they were, they were like literally sleeping inside your sanctuary. They were sleeping inside the sanctuary. We have these chairs, and you can flip them and fold them around, and it turns kind of into a, a, a single-size mattress area that you could sleep in. They had their blankets and... They had their clothes that were kind of thrown around in the attic and in some storage areas. There were people living there. And because of the homeless, the city started hating my church because the homeless destroy the image of what paradise is for a vacation spot. And so the people that live there don't want that because that drives away business, so there's this big contention for it. 
So after helping the people move on and get out and clear out and calling cops and having to deal with what I had to do, right now my church will have an att average attendance of 10 per Sabbath. That's including me. That's including my audio people. That's including all my musicians. That's, that is everybody that comes to my church. So you are the church board. I am my church board. I am my <laughs> church elders. I am my deacons. My board meetings and business meetings usually take three seconds. Oh, well. <laughs> do I want to do something? Yes, I want to do it. Let's go do it. Hey, less obstacles that way. Tell me, how do you engage the postmodern mindset or the postmoderns that you come in contact with down in Key West? The postmoderns in Key West, there are a lot of churches on Key West. Lots of churches. For every bar, there's a church. I myself have two churches that rent for me on Sunday, so there's plenty of churches to go to. The postmodern is going to go to where they feel God. They're going to go to where they have that experience and that presence. And they move around. Their family has a church. And they'll say, I'm associated with this church, but they go to the other churches. They cross the streams mm -hmm. and just go to where it is. Everything is true. All the churches have the same doctrine and beliefs. and We know they don't, but to reach them, the first thing you have to do is engage them at their level, at their experience. I started doing, I, I took over high school ministry from the previous pastor. And I didn't start connecting with the kids until I started taking them out for these meetings that we would have for the group. And then it slowly evolved into just kind of hanging out, kind of bored, just doing some work, just, just engaging with them as a person, as a friend, just as a guy that's like, hey, do you just want to go hang out and do something? Do you want to go see a movie? Do you want to, let's go do this, you know? So, so building community. Building a community and building a connection first is, is the only way to have a successful connection with the youth on the island when you went into these relationship building activities did you go in with the mindset that i am here because i need to get them from point a to point b <laughs> and um this just happens to be the means of getting them from point a to point b i laugh because that is not even remotely on my mental radar i engage them because i am so bored and i have no friends on this island <laughs> and i'm looking for an authentic person that I can talk to. So effectively, your, your best evangelism is literally making friends with people that's doing you good in return. Yes. And I can tie that into my video games, too, because I've been playing Final Fantasy XIV ever since seminary. I've been playing with the same group of people since seminary. And these people live all across the country. I have met them all in person, except for one, who will be doing in September. And they know I'm a pastor. They've watched my sermons. They've watched me at my new church. And... I didn't play this game and become their friends to evangelize them, to preach to them. I did it as an escape, as a way to relax. But I have talked to four or five people in Europe who, are, who have a very unique, specific, global view of what a church is, especially in Europe. And they ask me questions, and we talk about it. And then my friends over here in the States ask me, and they talk about it. And there was a meeting I was at a couple weeks ago, and then I started talking about tithe. And I started talking about returning money to the church and what offering actually means. And it just it it just spawned out of an organic conversation of why do some mega churches charge an admittance fee? And I'm like, well, is it tithing or is it admittance fee? Well, no, they charge you go to wait. What's tithe? Yeah. And I'm having this this <laughs> idea of what tithe is and how a church functions. And it's and such a foreign itself. concept to them. This, it's this weird idea to them. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And that's just how most of my conversations with them come about and give them an understanding and clear focus of, of what it means to be religious to what it means to be a Christian. So uh, one of the things that 
over and over again I hear, and this is research, I mean, there's a lot of people. There's a, a book I highly recommend. It's The Unbelievable Gospel by Jonathan Dodson. And one of the things that the, the truth mentality that I have to teach people uh, really struggles with is that you get this... Uh, almost this business aspect that I'm going into a relationship with you because I'm trying to sell to you. Um, you're, you're, I don't know, you've probably seen those, like, have friends that have gotten into those pyramid schemes before where it's like, okay, so this is a funny story. And I don't feel bad sharing this because I, was I, I didn't feel bad. On. Somebody somebody <laughs> called me one time and it was, it was a, someone I went to seminary with. I didn't know him very well. And he said, hey, listen, you know, we're doing this great thing. It's a, it's a fitness challenge for pastors. And I said, oh, fitness challenge. That sounds cool. Yeah, we want to promote the best health possible. We want to do this and everything. And I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. It's like, yeah, you just have to log in and you have to put, put the, the time that you've been exercising and everything. And we're going to do a challenge. I'm like, hey, I love exercise. I'm all for being in the best shape that we can be in. And um, so I give him my, you know, he, he looks me up on Facebook, sends me a link to it. And it's, it's a pyramid scheme that you pay in and to become a member of the service. And he makes money because I bought into it. And You use his link or his information. <laughs> he's attached to you. And so suddenly, this guy that I think he, he actually just called me out of the blue because he, he wants to like do something cool, build a relationship with me. Suddenly, I'm like, oh, he wants my money. That's why. He wants you for your money. He wants you to make money off of. Yeah. It's, it's ulterior motives. And, and so if we think about evangelism, if we think about, you know, a, a lot of times we go in with this, all right, the ultimate goal is for me to teach them these things right here. Mm -hmm. But for you, it sounds like you're going in saying the ultimate goal for me is to, to build a relationship with them that is going to disciple them to Christ. The idea of an ulterior motive is something that people will pick up on real quick. You figured it out real quick. <laughs> like once you got past the, oh yeah, let's do this exercise thing, this. Oh wait, this is what it is. You know, as soon as I go from, yeah, let's go hang out, let's have a movie, blah, blah, blah. Oh, by the way, I need you to do this, this, and this too. They will pick up on anything really quick. So authenticity is one of the biggest core values of, of the postmodern mindset and we last week we talked about this in the podcast that they can spot a phony yeah. um, they can spot a phony in a heartbeat and so so when we're going in and they're thinking okay these people are just here to try and get me to to join their church or to, to one of the last things I have found is when I'm meeting and interacting with new people is to hint to them that I'm a pastor and some people find that really weird and I'm like no because if somebody started talking to me and started hitting, oh, I'm a pastor in this, I'm immediately going to say, oh, they want me to go to their church. They want me to follow what they believe. They want to change me. I don't know if you have the same experience. <laughs> I don't know if you have the same experience, but all the time, whenever I'm, I meet someone new and I, I you know, I don't, I, I'm not just, hey, I'm a pastor. I don't say that. And it's funny. People will cuss. Oftentimes, when they finally find out that I'm a pastor, they immediately they say, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I was saying, you know, I was talking like this." <laughs> oh yeah, over and over <laughs> yeah. again. And uh, you know, I, I always tell them, "I'm like, listen, you be you. I, you know, I, we're, we're friends. M my ultimate goal in life is not to get you to learn truth. My ultimate goal in life is to let you have a relationship with me, where you can see how Christ is working in me and how." How That's about living and being the example. Being a contagious Christian. Yeah. Not being a, a repellent Christian, one that... Oh, there's a know, lot of those. Yeah. There's plenty of there's those. There's plenty of those to go around. <laughs> so we want to be the contagious Christian, the one that 
people actually see you and they want to be like you. Yeah. And and they ask you and they're like, how come your life is this way? Or how come you don't have to have to stress out about these things? Or how come you have all this free time on this one day a week and all, all this different stuff? And, and you can just be like, hey, listen, it's a relationship with Christ. And then they're open to hear about Christ. Not to sound and totally discredit what we were just saying, but yeah, that works the best is when they see you being you and being happy and being free and and why why does why does this person have this but i'm not doing this because i want to convert somebody if somebody gets converted because of me great praise god good for you jesus that's that's on you you know because whatever if somebody doesn't get converted because of me great you know praise god whatever that's on you jesus that's great you know having somebody being authentic and real and connecting with that's the best thing that will lead to a change in any person so, Colin, I want you to tell me about a time where you've just found this disconnect in action um, the, between truth versus relationship. There is a complete disconnect, and I run into, and I run into it a lot. There, I, I have a jail program that I go to, and I've been doing this since I came down here. And there's one guy who is incredibly Adventist. He was probably there writing the books with Ellen White. This guy is Adventist, and if I ever give him a chance to talk about anything he will bring up a core doctrine a core belief and why it's this and why other people are wrong for the most part it's all been pretty tame stuff nothing that i wouldn't have to try to adjust or massage because some people are not just ready for the five s's you know you don't need to hear that in five minutes you know but there is this one week he just went off on it he just and I just didn't stop him because I just wanted him to finish. It was almost the end of the program. But because he was just going so hard, this is the truth, this is the Bible, this is the way it is, this is this, this is this, this is this, Catholic Church is this, and, and the other denomination this, this is, and he was just getting so vehement about it that one of the guys walked up and left. And he just said, I'm done, and just left. And has he been back? He has not been back, and that is within the past couple of weeks. And this kid was going every week because he liked the music and the open discussion of what it was. And I had to explain to him that throwing truth like that at somebody is going to is going to push them away, not bring them closer. Because truth doesn't bre- doesn't make a relationship. Teaching doesn't make a relationship. Then you have to go on pastoral damage control after that. If I can somehow get into the dorm to talk to this kid, yeah. Other than that, I won't see him. Well, Colin, I want to thank you so much for being with us for our discussion chamber here today. And usually at this point, we pick a different topic, something that's going on, what's happening today. And obviously there was some very sad news this week, and I'd like for you to join me and for you to stay here with me for the what's happening section today. And obviously, you know, this past week we heard of the absolute senseless massacre that took place in Orlando, very close to us. Um, and it's especially hits home here because really our colleagues are the ones who are pastoring in Orlando. Many of them were able to step up and respond to this. And sadly, many times we're sad depending on how much people are like us. Mm-hmm. For me, if it's a white Christian, you know, even even a Seventh Day Adventist in my context, you know, a lot of times you'll hear on the news if there is something that takes place in a Seventh Day Adventist eyes, and the the Adventist news will report, oh, there is this this plane that went down, 250 people died, and one of them was a Seventh-day Adventist, and they'll highlight that one person, 
And um, so it's, it's natural for us to gravitate towards those who are more like us. So we're in a, a society and, and in the church today, in Orthodox Christianity, being gay puts you at odds with the church. Incredibly at odds with the church. And, and so there was a very tragic, hard situation here where it's one that the Christian church had a, a great opportunity to respond to to open our arms and to, to use this as a way to almost repair uh, sometimes the, the... Burned bridges that we have. The burned bridges that have taken place. And not necessarily, we're not doing this out of we want to fix things. We're not going to use this as an opportunistic moment here. But it's a time where we can set aside... The differences. Differences of ideologies. And we can come together as, as literally brothers in this world because in the end people are people and people, people are, are hurt people. people have been lost people are and when it happens it hurts I made a video about this on my channel and I've never felt I've never been close to shooting no shooting anywhere or any event has been close to me it's always been far away it's always been removed and when I woke up and I saw the news about this like I was devastated and, and in tears honestly because it felt so close I was just up in Gainesville. I'd just been to Orlando the week earlier. Like, it was just such a shocking thing. And seeing people come together, and it's it's really crappy that it takes this type of thing to draw people together, to finally yeah. bury the hatchet a little bit and to just be decent people, decent Christians, decent human beings. But it's still that chance to come together and mend those broken bridges, to mend those hurt feelings of... I think this is this is the perfect opportunity for us to put what we're talking about today into practice yeah. about literally putting the truth the pedestal of truth that we have laying that down in favor of building relationships with people and literally being there for people that yeah we may not agree with this person but suddenly an event like this it brings everything into perspective that we're all humans we all deal with different things we all have different views and different ideologies different lifestyles but the fact is that we're not called to only like people who believe the same as us. We're not called to only associate, only hang out, only uh, to build friendship and community with people other than what we typically identify with. And so I think that this was a perfect opportunity. And I have to say I was really proud of the way that I, was, I saw some of our, our Colleagues, sister churches, churches colleagues, sister churches whatever, yeah. uh, respond. Um, one in particular that I saw on Facebook was the Forest Lake uh, Church, and they that, yeah, Forest Lake. They, they put it out there. They this put it online that they're offering free funerals, Services. and this is a very large church, and it, it takes quite a bit of money, I'm sure, to run the facility there. Uh, they're the offering utilities cover the people, cover all this other stuff, and they're offering free, free streaming, free, free yeah, streaming, streaming online, Man, so that for yes. the families that can't be there, and yeah. and I, I think that it's a lesson for each of us to learn that we don't need to wait for a tragic event to happen before we can actually start building relationships with others. Tragedy shouldn't be the only reason that we get our act together and start reaching people and helping people that just need help being people. Yeah. And you think about, you know, even just American politics, for example, <laughs> around 9-11, I mean, American politics is divided and everything, and suddenly there's a terrorist attack that happens, and then, and then everybody seems to come together and, and to regroup. And what if we were to do that without the tragedy? What if we were you to... mean be effective? Is <laughs> yeah. that what you mean? What if we built authentic friendships because we wanted friendships? Absolutely. I think we'd be great. 
I think we'd be very well off if we did what we were supposed to. It's empathy, yeah. understanding each other. And then maybe if we do that, we'll listen to each other better. Because even for those who are, are wanting to teach truth, if they want to be the most effective at teaching truth, build the relationships and then they'll listen to your truth, not yeah. the other way around. Yeah, that's first-hand experience of that, yeah, like I was talking about earlier. Well, Colin, I want to thank you so much for being here today. I, I hope people weren't bothered by the cappuccino machine and the, all the cups being dropped in the restaurant here and everything. And bro on his phone over there in the yeah, corner the, facing us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I really appreciate you being here. On This is fun. We should do it again. Absolutely. And uh, I encourage all the listeners here today to check out. Uh, Colin has a, a YouTube channel. Search on YouTube for hashtag simple faith. Simple, hashtag simple faith, hashtag honest faith, hashtag Sabbath school. We got a couple different playlists available that cover a variety of topics. And also, if anyone is in Key West and you happen to find yourself there, Impact I, Community Church, 5 p.m. on Saturday. Contemporary, comfortable, relaxed. Just show up as you are. Thanks so much, Colin, and hopefully we'll have you back sometime soon. All right, man. Thanks. So thanks so much for joining us once again. I want this podcast to be for you, and I invite you to contact me in any way possible. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash It's Complicated Podcast, or you can tweet at us on Twitter at Complicated Pod. That's at Complicated Pod. We're just getting this started once again, but we'd like to have your questions, comments, and we'd like to have discussion keep this conversation going give me feedback on anything from the podcast the content to even uh, whether the volume was too loud too soft if i talk too fast but thanks so much for joining us once again and we should be back next week i hope you'll listen and in the meantime think differently thanks for joining <laughs>